0: amen happy new year yep 2018 sounds weird even saying it um, how many of you know somebody who is sick right now raise your hand <laughs> exactly we're not shaking hands today we'll just give the uh, the cordial head nod good to see you um, but without getting too close to people let me let me engage you a little. If you were to think ahead into the year 2018, what are you expecting to accomplish this year? In the year 2018, what are you expecting to accomplish? Go ahead, talk amongst yourselves, not too close because you don't want to spread germs. So that means you can holler if you need to, but go ahead, t- what, what are you expecting to accomplish this year? Go ahead, talk. <laughs> All right, so, so uh, I'm sure you came up with some great things. Any of you planning on uh, participating in the 2018 Winter Olympics? How about the World Cup that happens in June and July? No? Well, watch it. That's participation, right? Uh, may, maybe maybe you have been invited on May 19th to the wedding of the year. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are getting married. Anybody invited to that? Oh, Who are Prince Harry and Meghan Markle? Uh, Actually, the one that's got my attention, and the one that I'm actually really looking forward to in 2018, is SpaceX this year is planning on sending the first two space tourists up in one of their rockets to go around the moon and back. It's going to take about a week. Any of you want to sign up for that? Uh, Nope. (laughs) I'm good. Obviously, I mean, there's some big stuff happening in 2018 for us. Um, so, hey, actually, let me let me share some of the things and for me um, as a church. I uh, already kind of got the preaching thing figured out for 2018, which means I don't have it figured out for 2018. That's just kind of how it works. Here's the idea Pfft, doesn't happen. Um, but what we're looking at doing is once we uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to be starting to talk about Uniontown Bible Church from scripture, what is our mission as a church? What is our vision as a church? What are our core values? Not not to talk about uh, from a um, corporate sense, but to talk about it, uh, what the Bible says. See, we don't get to pick what our mission and vision is as a church, it's given to us, yeah? And so that's what we're going to work on for a couple of weeks together, walking through Scripture as to why we believe we're here as a church and what God's called us to as a church. And, and when that's done, um, we are going to begin a, a series on the seven sayings of Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. Well, at the conclusion of that, it's Easter, which that's just crazy to think about. It's <laughs> that close. Um, after Easter, we're going to start working through the book of Colossians together. I'm excited about that. After the book of Colossians, we're going to do a summer series yet to be determined And after that, we're going to work through a number of the Old Testament kings together um, So there's lots of, lots of stuff kind of planned for that In my, my own personal life, I plan on doing the same thing that I did in 2017 and 2016 Which is surviving When you think about your personal goals, isn't that what you think of? I just want to put my feet on the ground tomorrow I just want to make it through today. I, I don't know if you had that. I, last week I had that. And, and, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm whining, but, but for me it was like I cannot wait for Christmas Day. Christmas Eve is exhausting. Even after the services, going home and doing the family stuff on Christmas Eve is exhausting. Christmas Day is not exhausting. Christmas Day is one long happy nap for me. <laughs> um. I think if you were to ask the average American to be completely honest and tell you how they were, the answer you would get is exactly that. I'm exhausted. I'm just, I'm just tired. Um, One of the reasons that is, is because our culture today uh, is one of the busiest, workaholic, exhausted cultures in all of history um the reason i believe that that is the case is because we have an identity crisis as a people we have identity crisis one that one that you and i often buy into even as christians on a regular basis and it comes down to this what we do in our identity we find what we're doing to be our identity let me let me that didn't come out real good we find our identity in what we do there we go that's a little more clear Um, And so in order to maintain that identity, we maintain this incredibly hectic schedule in order to get to the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year, and to be called successful, right? What's success? Well, in American culture, success is having money and possessions, but no time. So think about that. So that would mean the opposite of success would be have all kinds of time and no money. Um. When that is our grid, when that is our identity, it's easy for total exhaustion uh, to set in. It's actually easy for total exhaustion to be the gauge by which we define and measure our own success. It's easy for us to get to the end and be like, man, I am so tired because I have worked so very hard. And and it actually is a good thing for us to lean into that because it tells us that God certainly is blessing me. He's given me all these opportunities to be busy. Um, We feel important when we're busy. It validates us. I'm in demand. My schedule is full. People need me. Um, I think for a lot of us, we're comfortable with how the score is kept when we stay busy. Because I, I can be be busy and get all the work done and I know exactly where I stand with people because I accomplished this, this, and this. I know what buttons to push. I know which marks to check on the list. I know which switches to flip to get things taken care of and running. And so I'm crazy busy, but I'm doing well because I know how to keep score there. And that becomes our identity. And, and, and when we're busy, we're exhausted and we're tired and it's never enough. It's... Absolutely never enough because being busy will never bring you the satisfaction that we need. And, and I'll tell you this, being busy as your identity, not only doesn't bring you the satisfaction you need, but it will never bring you the rest that you need. And that's kind of where we're going today. So so let me, I'll just kind of lay all the cards on the table. I do not want today to be a, one of those, I mean, we've all sat in messages where it's like, well, that was nothing but guilt-inducing. Happy New Year to you too as well, sir. I don't want that. Um, this has been a rugged uh, topic for me because this is me preaching to me So you can listen in <laughs> um, I, What I do want is for us to look at scripture and to be reminded And as a result for our priorities to change in 2018 So, so take your Bible, go to Mark chapter 1 if you're not there already Mark chapter one. Let me let me be real clear. This, this is a completely different kind of message than I normally preach, so bear with me. There's gonna be all kinds of different things in it. No, no props, because every time I try to use something special, it falls apart. Um, <laughs> it's awful. So anyway, but, but I will, here, let me share my big point with you. This is the point of the morning. Our identity cannot be wrapped up in what we do, but in who we know. It's not exactly the best grammatical sentence in the world, but it's the point, <laughs> Let's not allow our identity to be wrapped up in what we do, but let our identity be, identity be wrapped up in who we know. Um, so when we look at Mark chapter one, what we're looking at is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I love the book of Mark. Uh, it's a very action-packed book. He uses the word immediately a number of times. He uses lots of big uh, flamboyant words like, they were amazed and astonished. And I like that. It makes it seem like you're watching an action movie. It's pretty exciting. You, you get to Mark chapter one. I'm gonna start in verse 21 and, and you see, um, Jesus, after he's just called his disciples, and so he's, he's called a couple. He doesn't have them all yet, so now he's got uh, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Those are two people, not three. Uh, and then he's got James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Those are the disciples he has, okay? And you get the verse 21 of Mark chapter one, and it says this. They went to Capernaum, And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. That's not an uncommon occurrence. Visiting rabbis would do that in the synagogue all the time. And so Jesus walks into the synagogue and says he began to teach. And when he began to teach, verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So in, in Jesus' teaching, he demonstrated the authority that he had on the topic, which was very different than the other teachers who got up and said, well, this is what so-and-so said, and this is what Rabbi Michael said, and this is what Rabbi Mikhail said, and this is what Rabbi Judas said. Instead, Jesus came in and said, this is what the word of God says. May it stand as God's word and God's word alone. He taught with an authority that they were unfamiliar with. He get to verse 23, he says, Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, oh, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. And Jesus' response in verse 25 is this, Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, and come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him? Now news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So now you have him teaching with authority and people recognizing that. Now you have him casting out a demon and people recognizing the authority he brings to that situation. And now in verse 29, as soon as they leave the synagogue, they go with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Now, I find this funny. This is a very male thing to have happen. They leave the synagogue to go to somebody's house to grab something for lunch, right? Right? So they leave the synagogue. Wait, Simon Peter says, hey, why don't you come to my house? Let's hang out over there. The five of us can go. We can sit, relax, and you know, my wife and her mom, they can make us some food. It'll be great. And so they head to the house. In verse 30, it says, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So Peter was not exactly thinking clearly. Let's go to my house. Oh. I mean, you wonder if maybe he got to the door, <laughs> and he's like, hey, honey, the boys are here. And she was like, are you serious? No, no man, man has ever done that, right? Ser- you, you, my mom's in bed sick. This is very inconvenient, Simon. But they tell Jesus right away, oh, Simon's mom, mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. So verse 31, he goes in, takes her by the hand. He helped her up. And the fever left her and she began to wait on them. So now in, in a very short amount of time, what you've had is Jesus is teaching with authority. Jesus is casting out demons demonstrating his authority. And now Jesus is healing. So, so there is something about Jesus that is particularly different than anybody else. And, and the disciples are noticing it. Now, here's something that we should all learn. When you are able to accomplish much for God, when you're able to accomplish what God has called you to do, do you know what the reward of that is? The reward for accomplishing much is more work. You're welcome. Look at verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and all the demon-possessed. There's a gift that you were waiting for. Fantastic. Sunset hey, there's a crowd at the door. Who is it? It's everybody who's sick and everybody who's demon-possessed. Maybe you live in that town, but your neighborhood. <laughs> the whole town. In fact, that's how many people. The whole town showed up at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew who he was. The whole city shows up, and now, now Jesus, who was teaching with authority and who had cast out the demons demonstrating his authority, who had healed Simon's mother-in-law with authority, and now that's all done, and now all of these other people show up, and he walks out the door, and he begins to, to heal and to cast out demons and to do ministry with all of these people who showed up at his door. I mean, just work, 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 work. You've had days like that, haven't you? I mean, did you think that maybe Jesus was done after he taught in the synagogue and then the, the, the demon-possessed guy started talking? Like, oh, now i got to deal with that. And then he, he deals with the demon-possessed guy, and then he goes to Simon's house, and says, oh, now she's sick. And, and she, he deals with that, and he's got to think, now my day is over, and he opens the door to this crowd of people who are needy, to say the least. Ever had that day? Jesus did. He handled it well. What does he do next? Look at verse 35. Very early the next morning, While it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So, Jesus' response to the hecticness and the busyness, and certainly the exhaustion, was to wake up before daybreak. This is probably around four o'clock in the morning to escape the, the throngs of people, to go to this quiet place this solitary place this uninhabited place to be alone with his father and it's interesting here it says that he went and he excuse me <clears throat> and he prayed you could actually translate that word and he continued to pray it wasn't he went and prayed once and he was done it was a spirit of continuing in prayer he made time to escape walk away And to be quiet. Um, I think many times when we look at Jesus as an example for us, it kind of gets sold short because it's Jesus. Of course he could do that. He's the son of God. I can't do that. But in this situation, when you've got somebody with such authority and such power who takes the time to escape to a quiet place, well, then that's an example that we certainly need to follow. Because if Jesus needed it, so do we. But what I want you to see is what happens next. Because when Jesus escapes to his quiet place, um, not everybody gets it. Verse 36. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everybody's looking for you! So, couple key things you need to understand in what is just said there. Simon and his companions, he, he gathers the guys together and they're like, "Where's Jesus?" He was here. Did you see him? I didn't see him. I haven't seen him either. He was here last night. We went to bed. We woke up. He's gone. Where did he go? And it says they went to look for him. Now, now you need to understand that's not just like, a, "Oh Jesus, where are you?" That word means to hunt for. It implies to to pursue with hostile intent. They weren't happy. Where have you gone? I mean, if you just look at the verses before, he didn't heal everybody. He didn't cast out every demon. There's more work to do. Where did Jesus go? Where are you? And when they find him, I love this, everybody's looking for you. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> I, think, I think what's happening in this moment is you're hearing from Simon and the disciples. You're hearing from them, Jesus, you you, you forgot the idea here things are going so well people have shown up at the door you have the opportunity to heal and to cast out demons and to to continue to ride the momentum well everybody's looking for you get back down there be a good messiah would you Their expectations were that Jesus would continue to work like crazy, heal the rest of the people, teach a handful of classes, cast out a number of demons. Just but continue, continue in this. It's not time to stop. Everybody's clamoring. This is an exciting moment. This is an opportunity. Let's take advantage of this. And Jesus' response in verse thirty-eight is this: "So let's go someplace else, then. Maybe to." nearby villages, so I can preach there also, because that is why I've come. See, Jesus' response to the disciples was, "Listen, I, I, I just spent the time renewing my focus with the Father, and I don't have time to get into it, but this is one of three times that Jesus escapes uh, to, to solitary, to quietness to pray and spend time with his father. And each time it follows, it either follows or, or, or the context of it is, there could, could there possibly be another way for me to do this Messiah thing without actually having to follow the father's plan? He escapes immediately after he feeds the 5,000. So now he's fed 5,000 and the crowds know him and adore him and they're following him everywhere. And what does Jesus do? He escapes to pray. And you have this moment here where all the crowds have come to the door and and his name is being spread throughout Galilee and he escapes to pray. And then you have that moment just before the cross where he goes to Gethsemane and you hear it come from his mouth. (laughs) I take this cup from me. So here Jesus has escaped to spend time with his father. He's had his focus renewed. He's had his identity renewed because of his relationship with his father. And he looks at his disciples who are saying, get back down there, let's heal some people. Let's set up some of those Disney lines to make it a little more organized. And maybe we could have a healing speed pass. And you could do a number of them at once. I mean, let's get this taken care of. And he says, stop, that's not why I'm here. I'm, I, you're absolutely right that people are enthusiastic and there's, there's people clamoring for me, but, but that's not what my father has sent me for. I'm, I'm not here to be a public relation person's dream. I'm not here to be busy. I'm not here to get these people to adore me without understanding the message that I'm sharing with them. I'm not here to rally a group. I'm here to do what God has sent me to do, and that means... We go spread the word someplace else. A little sidebar, and this really has nothing to, well, it does have to do with the message, but it's not the point. So let me just share this with you real quick. My hope and prayer for Uniontown Bible Church is that's our response at all times. That, let me explain that. That we don't become complacent with more people in these seats. That we don't grow content over a very healthy financial situation and standing. That we don't uh, allow our celebration to stop on, did you see Christmas Eve? That was amazing. What a wonderful service. And that becomes what our, our hope is in. And may that never be what we're about. May we always be about those taking advantage of those opportunities, thanking God for those gifts, And then using those, multiplying those opportunities to share the good news of the gospel with the people who live around this area. May we always be about preaching the message that Jesus came when we were most rebellious. May we always be about taking advantage of the opportunities when people who would otherwise would never set foot in a church come and find themselves in these very seats and there's somebody in front with a Bible open in front of them. May we always take advantage of the opportunity to say, listen, let me tell you about the love that God had for you. God loved you and he sent His son Jesus Christ for you. And he came and he he paid your debt. He he signed the, the, the ticket so that it is taken care of for you. So at the end of your meal, when you go to pay for your meal, it's already been paid for. You do owe that money. You do owe to the, the debt, but Jesus covered that debt for you and he wrote it in his blood and he wrote over the top of it, it is finished. May we always be about taking advantage of those opportunities to talk about our Savior who, who literally died for you in your place and literally was buried in a tomb and then literally rose from the dead three days later. May we always be about celebrating the fact that we have a Savior who, who's on the right hand of the Father and he's not just sitting there, oh, I'm so bored, when do I get to go back, Dad? No, Jesus is there, and he's daily making intercession for us. He is protecting us and speaking words over us when Satan makes his accusations against us. May that be what Uniontown Bible Church is about. Not about how many people go here. I mean, not that I want you all to leave. I'd prefer you stay. (laughs) It's a little more fun. I talk to my wife all the time. It can't just be her. Do you get sick of me? I should stop the jokes there. (laughs) Um, And and, and I don't want us to be in a place, uh, well, I don't know, I don't know. I'd be careful how I say this too, but I always want to have to rely on God's perfect provision for us as a church, right? But I, I don't want to get to the place where I'm just terrified because we don't know how we're going to make payroll. I praise God, we're not in that place. I have been there before. It is not fun. And I want to celebrate the fact that we're healthy financially. But if that's all we're focused on, then we have missed the point. God has placed us here upon this hill to be a beacon to this area. And so you're going to hear a lot about that in the upcoming months. May we just run face first off this hill into the darkness that's at the bottom of it. May we shine the light of the gospel of Christ everywhere we go. And while we do that, let's commit to finding our identity, not in everything that we're doing, but in our relationship with God. And so I'm going to get real pragmatic and practical here for you. Um, I want to answer the question, so how do we do that? How do, I, how do I work to find my identity in my relationship with God? What does that look like? Well, there, there's some obvious ones, and here's the first one. The first one is through prayer. Through prayer. So let me, let me, <laughs> um, if there's an area in most Christians' lives where they really wrestle and struggle, it's in the area of prayer. Um, and let, let me, let me kind of throw a couple of tools your way. Uh, in fact, let me say this. At the conclusion of the service today, if you go on the church's Facebook page, um, there will be a number of resources listed that I'm about to mention, links and different things that'll be there for, for your. Help, Lord willing, uh, in in trying to find your identity and who God is. So, um, so here's here's a couple of things that that I personally use uh, to help me in my life of prayer. There's an an awesome app, which is crazy to say, an app helps my prayer life. But there's an app called Prayer Mate. Prayer Mate, it's that yellow one there. the the, the Prayer Mate really is just a system to organize your prayer requests. Um, and so the so you guys know, um, I have a list of towns in the area that I pray for, one a, one a week, or one sorry, one each day. Um, and then I've got our staff members all listed and some of their personal prayer requests, our elders and our pastors all listed, some personal prayer requests. On Wednesdays when we meet together as a staff team to pray for the request that you fill out on your connection card, um, I'll do a number of things. I'll take a, a list of some of the requests that are shared in public, and then as we're praying through the list, I'll, I'll highlight some of them and put them into it. And, and the way PrayerMate works is that every day when I open it up, it throws new requests in front of me to be praying for. It helps me with my prayer time. Something else that's been a huge help and encouragement to me in my own personal prayer life has been learning how to pray the Bible. Sounds very holy and spiritual, doesn't it? Uh, very pious. But let me explain this to you. There was a, a fellow named Don Whitney who wrote a book called How to Pray the Bible. And um, um, it, it, it actually is, is, it's not just opening up the Bible and going, okay, so let's just read this, and this is my prayer for today. My prayer is Psalm 85. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the forts of Jacob. Amen. That, that's not what it is. What it is is opening up Scripture and using God's Word to guide and instruct your prayers. So it would be looking at Psalm 85.1, which I just read. You, Lord, showed favor to your land, and you restored the fortunes of Jacob. So what comes to mind when you say that? You know what, God, look what you have done for me. Look at the favor that you have shown me. Look at the family that you've given me. Look at the laughter you have surrounded me with. Look at all of these things that I don't deserve, but you continue to dump out on me. That has come from you in your hand. God, thank you, you've restored the fortunes of Jacob. Lord, Lord I, I can think in my own life of the times that I have wandered and walked away from you and yet you've brought me back in your mercy and in your grace, thank you. And so those things help instruct your actual daily prayer. And so I'd encourage you to do things like that. That's Prayer is one way that you can find your identity and who you know. Another way is fasting. I think something that we overlook regularly is the opportunity to fast. Um, part of it's because we don't understand it. I don't like being hungry, so I'm not going to fast. Um, what, what fasting is, really, is, is, is you skip a meal, you skip two meals, and then every time that you would take lunch or you would be eating, you spend that time praying. And on top of that, every time you feel that hunger pain, that should remind you, man, I, I'm committing this to God today. And God, help me to walk through this and, and to experience your presence in this. And then at the end of the fast, then you celebrate. You feast then. Because it's a reminder to you of all the good gifts that God has given you, and it's a reminder that God's not done being good to you yet. And so we we should be more intentional about our fasting. This time of year, probably the most common one, is this. Reading. Reading. This is when we all start with great intentions, our yearly Bible reading plan. And then somewhere around January 13th or 14th, We started again, right? Now, come on, let's just be honest. And so let me, let me encourage you, we, we should be reading Scripture. This, this is God's very Word to us. This is how we know Him. It's through His Word. There, there are a number of different plans out there, and a couple of them will show up on the Facebook feed. Really, it's whatever you do that works for you, then, man, pour yourself into that. Go face first to that. Let me throw a couple at you. There's, there's the most common ones, which are do the reading plans in a year, so you can read the whole Bible in a year. Um, you can get all kinds of fancy printouts to keep with you and to keep you on task. Um, those are the most common ones to read through the Bible in a year. But here's here's a, um, a little bit of news for you. You don't have to read the Bible in a year. God's not completely disappointed with you if you don't finish it in a year. Go smaller. So here, read one chapter every day. One chapter of the Bible every day. That seems like I'm cheating, though. You're not. Promise. You know what happens if you read one chapter a day? You'll finish reading the entire Bible in three years. That ain't too shabby. Not a bad thing. Or, go bigger. Go bigger. There's an NIV program that's out there It's called Through the Bible in 90 Days. You read the entire Bible in 90 days now that's a chunk not gonna lie that's a that's a big old chunk that might be too big so so maybe dial it back so so do this sit down and commit to spending some time reading one book of the bible in one setting but that takes forever no it doesn't if you're going to read colossians in one setting it's going to take you 15 minutes if you're going to read romans it's going to take you an hour yes if you decide to go through psalms it's going to take you five hours Can you do it? Absolutely So we should be Reading We should be listening We should be listening Listening to podcasts Listening to some different things Um, uh, (laughs) We have our own podcast Uniontown Bible Church Puts out a podcast It it hits usually Sunday afternoons If not on Monday And you can re-listen to the message And so if you want to sign up For that podcast You can join my mom She's a regular listener (laughs) Um. But not just union towns. There's, there's a whole host of great Bible messages out there. But, but it's even more than that. It's listening to preaching. It's listening to teaching. Many Bible colleges and seminaries are putting out material for you to listen to from their classrooms that you don't have to pay for. So you could sit down and listen to an Old Testament history class for nothing that some poor college kid is paying thousands of dollars for. Ha! We got that one. And I'm paying for it twice. I don't know how that works. Um, the other thing you can do is something that my wife does. You can download this. That's the, the logo for it. The Holy Bible one there. You can download something called U Version, uh, which is an app for your phone or or and it comes in everything. It comes in Android and 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 iPod, Pad, Pod, pad, Phone. There we go. <laughs> Habib, habib, it comes in iPhone. Um, it comes in everything. You can watch, do it online, but in that, many of the versions of the Bible that are there, you can listen to somebody read it to you. And so, my wife every night, as we're drifting off to sleep, listens to her Bible, and so I get to hear Lamentations chapter three. That's that's how I drift off to sleep. Um, <laughs> but but it's what, here, so why 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 is it important? Can, it, can it, redeem the time you hear that redeem the time redeem your commute redeem your dishwashing redeem your uh, lawn mowing but that's not really happening right now redeem your shoveling but redeem those moments in the garden. Redeem the time. Let, let the word of God continue to dwell in you richly. Let it continue to, to, to wash over you. And there's no better way to do that than to simply throw on your iPhone, iPod, your Android, your whatever it might be, and listen to Scripture. And the other way that we can find our identity in who we know is retreating. I don't mean like in a military sense. <laughs> Retreat! Um, for me, actually, re- this retreating part, for me, that tends to be the barometer of my health in this area of where I'm finding my identity. If I'm doing a good job getting away alone with God, even for a few hours, then, then I'm doing it. Because here I'll, just, here, I'll just lay it all out in front of you. Um, because in my life, I have to fight to not avoid the quiet moments. I know that may surprise you. I enjoy being loud. I enjoy noise. I enjoy activity. I enjoy action. And sometimes, I just kind of gravitate to the noise and I'm never quiet. So a good example of that, I I caught myself doing this this week. I get in the car and the radio goes on instantly. I don't even think about it because I need noise. And for me, I need to not avoid the quiet. I need to go into the quiet i also tend to avoid um i'll use the word rest that's not the right word but i avoid the 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 stay i I don't stay away from things enough Um, because for me what i end up doing is i end up looking at my identity as being wrapped up in all the things that i do and if if that's who i am then i need to be there and if i'm not there then 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 i'm not going to be needed and if i'm not needed then i'm not liked and if i'm not liked then what am i going to do And so I need to intentionally and purposefully take time to retreat. So so I would encourage you, take take even a few hours. Go go when it gets a little warmer, go find a park. Go go find one of the fields. And just sit. And start your retreat time with simply just opening your heart to God and be like, God, listen, I'm here, I'm alone, I want to hear you. So I've got your word here with me, and I'm just gonna talk to you. And I'm gonna read your word. And I'm going to find my identity in what you've done for me, not in what I've been trying to do. Um, when, I, when I started doing intentional retreats um, and telling people about doing intentional retreats, one of the negative comments that I got was this. You don't need to go on a retreat, Frank, because God is the same everywhere. And that is 100% true. But what I have found is this. I'm not. I'm not the same everywhere. And so I need to intentionally retreat. We need to find our identity, not in what we do, but in who we know. Why why do we not do that? Why do we tend to gravitate towards finding our identity in what we do? Because because if we stop and find our identity in in who we know, then at the end of the day, we don't have anything to show for it. We don't have any check marks on our list. Our to-do list isn't taken care of. There's no crowds who are telling you how great you are. One of the reasons we don't uh, find our identity in these quiet moments is because other people aren't going to understand and they're not going to come and, 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 and uh, come alongside you. and be like, what a great idea. I mean, look what the disciples did to Jesus. What are you doing? Everybody's looking for you. Why are you up here doing what? Nothing. That certainly wasn't nothing. We must find our identity in who we know. And here's, here's, here's okay, so all of that and now I'm going to preach. So get ready. It's not going to be long. When we find our identity in what we do, it leads to total exhaustion. Because we're doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing, because that's the scorecard. So we're exhausted. But when we find our identity in who we know, there is rest. Why? Well, here's, there's a verse in, in Matthew chapter 11 that we all like to talk about, We just none of us understand it. In Matthew chapter 11, um, Jesus says this, "'Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We, we like to quote that. There's rest in Jesus. There's rest in Jesus. But, but we don't tend to understand what that means. In order to understand what Jesus is saying, we have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. In order to understand rest. So so you know what happens in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, right? uh, God begins creating everything. And after he creates everything, he gets to the end of his creative work, and it says he does what? He rests. Why? Was he tired? Of course not. He's God. So if he wasn't tired, then why did he rest? Now see, as you look back at the creation events, you're going to find something that's repeated, right? In the evening the morning of the first day, the evening of the morning of the second day, and, and in the middle of that, he looks at everything he created on the first day, and he says, oh, that's good. On the second day, that's good. Third day, that, that's, that's good. Fourth day, That's good. Fifth day. That's that's good. Sixth day. That's good. And then he looks across the breadth of everything he created, and it changes because now it's no longer good. He looks at everything he created: sun, moon, stars, birds, fish. Animals, trees, plants, mankind. And he looks at all of it and he says, Oh, that is so very good. And then he rested. You know what rest is? Rest is being absolutely satisfied with everything. That's been done. All that is needed to be done is done. And it's done so very well. So you can rest. So, in Matthew chapter 11, that's exactly what Jesus is promising his people saying, Are you exhausted? Are you tired? And let me tell you, you come to me. You find your identity in me. You find me. And what I am going to give you is rest. Because what I've done for you is so very good. There's nothing left for you to do. Because it's finished. So in 2018, we must find our identity in spending time with the one who we're following, in seeking to be refreshed by the one who continues to lead us, by sitting still long enough to hear the whisper of the one who looks at you and says, it is finished. And that is so very good. Let's pray together. Lord, I am uh, 100% guilty of being the one who needs to hear those things more than anybody else in this room. So Lord, I ask that you would give grace and mercy in my heart. Father, that you would remind me time and time again that what you did for me is finished. That Christ's work on the cross is more than enough. And that in him I have rest. I pray for the exhausted soul who's here this morning. Who has worked so very hard. Who continues to work so very hard. Because there's work to be done. But God, I ask that you would give them the opportunities that they need to just stop for a few minutes. To remember what it is you've done for them and that in you the work is finished and they can be completely satisfied with the results so they can rest Lord I ask that for all of us may we find rest in you as we remember that you came and died for us and someday soon you're coming back (laughs) Lord thanks for a different kind of morning Thank you for your love for us. It's in Jesus' good name I pray. Amen.